What's up, Age 12? How you guys doing tonight? Yes. Man, I'm so excited that you're here tonight. In fact, if you were here with the Back to School Bash last week, let me hear you say what's up. Yes. Uh, in fact, let me just let you guys know, we are, we are a part of something that's bigger than just ourselves, bigger than just what this campus has to offer. Across 12 Stone last week in student ministry alone, we saw 2,996 students attend one of our student ministries, and 602 people came forward to said they wanted to give their life to Jesus. Man, that's pretty amazing. Let's give God a hand for that. That is the largest night of student ministry in 12 Stone history. We're so excited about that. But you know what? The work isn't over, man. We have so much more to do, so much more to accomplish, so many more people that need to be connected. In fact, many people um, that were here last week need to be connected back for next week and, and kind of doing that. And so keep inviting your friends, keep getting them connected to next steps, especially if you're here tonight and you were here last week and you gave your life to Christ, man, it's important for you to take those next steps in your walk with God. Now, we are, we are in a new series tonight called Brand New. And the whole idea behind this series is that this idea of a brand, that there are brands that are all around us, that this idea of a brand is that there are things that are known for something. And the truth is you have a brand. You are known for something. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute, but just to kind of get your mind around this idea of, of brand and this idea of branding and to really get your mind around it, I want to show you a few brands and, uh, and I want you to tell me what some of this stuff is and kind of what you think about it. And this is what I want you to see. When they put these brands up here, I want you to see that <clears throat> for some of you, you're going to have a very positive reaction towards the brand. For some of you, you're going to have a very negative reaction towards the brand. In fact, for some of you, it's sometimes you're going to see that maybe in the room there's some conflict going when you see the brand or the brand of what these people or companies are trying to accomplish and say by this. So let me give you some of the brands. I'm going to throw up the first one for you. Check this out. What is that? Jordan, right? Like y'all grow up in like the LeBron days. Like y'all don't know nothing about Jordan. Like Jordan was the man, like unstoppable on the basketball court. And so, yeah, that's Jordan. So when you think of Jordan, what do you think of? Shoes, right? We give out some Jordans tonight. You think about that kind of stuff. Uh, po who thinks of, uh, of the brand positively? You're like, oh man, like Jordan, they got some nice stuff. Who thinks of it negatively? Who doesn't care? Thank you. And uh, all right, next. And uh, next, check out this. What is that? LeBron James. That's the LeBron James jersey. By the way, how many of you in here like LeBron? You're like, dude, I'm a LeBron fan. How many of you are like, dude, I don't like LeBron? All right, see, you see what I'm saying? We got some mix. All right, listen, listen, listen. This next one. Here we go. Check it out. Colin Kaepernick. Right? Like, if you have not been under a rock for the last couple of weeks, there's some controversy... Listen, listen, you don't want to miss this. There's some controversy going on with Colin Kaepernick, and here's the controversy. The controversy is, is that Colin Kaepernick has been sitting down during the national anthem in protest because of racial uh, disunity that is across our country. And so, and this is his way of communicating his distaste for that and saying our country needs to wake up. Now, here's the deal. There's people on every side of this argument, people on every side of it saying, hey, man, you go Colin Kaepernick, way to stand up. There's other people on this going, bro, what are you sitting down during the national anthem? Like, that's, that's disrespectful to our country and nation, and there's everybody in between on this. And when you put somebody up like this right here, and you put them out, you say, man, this guy has a brand. And when people think of their brand, they think about things about them because of the way that they act. 
the way that they live their life, the things that they do. And listen, listen, the same goes for us. In fact, I want to show you some, some company logos. And I want you to tell me what you think of when you see these logos and what they are. Give me, give me one of the company logos. Apple. Who likes Apple? <laughs> yes. All right, what else? What else? What else you got? Next. Next logo. We got some fans. We got some fans. All right, just about show of hands. Who does not like coffee? Who is like, I don't like? Wow, a lot of you. My wife doesn't like coffee. So, all right, next one. <laughs> Nike. Nike, that's good. That's good. That's good. All right, all right. All right, next one. Next symbol. Yeah. Now listen, listen, when we, show, when we show a picture of the cross, the cross means a lot of things to a lot of different people. You understand, right? Like for some people, they look at it and they say, man, that's, that's a device for execution. For some people that look at it, it represents a faith that they carry, and so they may wear a cross around their neck. For some people, this brings up very positive things. At other parts around the world, it brings up very negative things. In fact, at other places around the world, it is illegal, especially in places under Sharia law, to wear a cross. The punishment is imprisonment and in some places death. So these things have meaning, and they have meaning to us, and they have meaning to others, but they represent things about them. It's a brand. It's something that people see, and it gives a reaction to it based on what it is that they think or believe about that particular thing. Let me show you the last one. Yeah! That is our high school at 12 Stone logo. Now listen, listen. I showed this logo to you and I put it up here for a reason. Because the truth is, is that we have a brand about ourselves. That the people outside the walls of this place and even the people inside the walls of this place, when they think about H12, they have a knee-jerk reaction to what they think and believe about it. Some people may think that this place is super welcoming and the greatest place on earth. And other people may think, man, I had a bad experience there and I'm not going to come back. I don't know what all the experiences are around this, but there are people that have ideas about what they think this is. Or take out the H12 logo and put 12 stone. People have opinions about 12 stone church. It's too big. It's this. It's that. It's this. It's that. It's great. They're in the community. They're doing this. They're doing that. People have all kinds of opinions about our church, all kinds of opinions about our high school ministry, and what we do and who we are build the brand. That's what branding is. And companies, their reputation is what their brand is. That Their reputation is only as good as their brand. And here's the truth. Every person in this room has a brand. I want you to think about this for a minute. When people think about you, what do they think about? What are you known for? When people say your name and they think about your name, what comes to people's mind when they think about you? Because, listen, that's your brand. Maybe when some people think about you and they think about your name, they think, oh, she's sweet. 
Maybe when other people think some of you girls are gone, I don't think about that about me. Maybe for some of you, maybe for some of you, they go, she's a hoochie mama. You know what I'm saying? Like that might, I'm just saying that might be your brand. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it might be. You know what I mean? Or, or he's a stud or he's smart or he's cocky and arrogant. <laughs> I know a lot of guys like that, he says. Right? Like we all have a brand. And listen, our brand is the way that we are. It's how people see us. It's, it's what, what is communicated from us and how people see us and how people view us, not only as an individual, but as a youth group, as a church, as, as the body of Christ, even as Christians, how people view us is based on how we treat people, how we, how we uh, serve people, and how we care for one another, and the behavior and the way that we act in our life. That builds a brand for our life. In fact, if anybody has ever had a bad experience at a place, it automatically gives you that negative experience. If you got treated terribly at a Starbucks, you have a negative connotation if that's the only experience you have there about that. Now, I want to tell you that, that the two most important brands that are up there on that board, to use the word brand, and I don't want to be disrespectful for calling the cross a brand, but there's ideas that come out by it. I, I, want, I want to say it to you like that because I want you just to see the picture of it. But the two most important brands up there to me are the cross and what you think about that and what you think about the church. What do people say about our church? What do you think about the cross? See, this is what I know to be true. The most important thing about you is what you think about Jesus. The most important thing about you is what you think about Jesus. That any time in our life when we put anything higher than that, above that, it always goes bad for us. And I can give you example after example after example. Some of you in this room are living that reality just in here today after news that you got yesterday. As I am. As I am. We live in a broken world and the reality is, is that that message is the most important message for anybody to hear. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that is wrapped up in our own insecurity, in our own sin, in our own issues. And we live in a world that tries to fix everything on our own. I'm going to be my own man. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to figure it out. I'm man enough. I'm strong enough. I'm this enough. I'm that enough. And the truth is nobody in here has enough power. Nobody in here has enough self-discipline and self-control on your own to be able to conquer sin in your life. And that is why last week is so powerful because it is people saying that I need to depend on the grace of God, that I need to depend on what Jesus did for me on the cross. Because if Jesus didn't do that for me on the cross, Paul says this, you are to be most pitied. He said, if Jesus didn't die on the cross and he wasn't raised from the dead, we are to be most pitied because that means that what we believe isn't true. That means that what we believe has no power. That means that you coming here is a waste of your time. We are to be most pitied. But if Jesus did die on the cross in your place for your sin, and he did raise from the dead, defeating sin and death and giving us victory. That we can now have victory in him. It's not that we are now as Christians strong enough to fight against sin. But is that God's power is now residing in us because of what Christ has done in us and filling us. That we can fight that power. So what you think about Jesus is the most important thing about you. And I would challenge you to think about what you think about the cross to understand your brand, to understand what we want and desire to be the brand of Christians. See, this is what I believe. 
I believe, and we can all agree, right? When, when some people think about church, it's not positive things. When some people think about church, the last word on their mind is unity. They see all these denominations and they see strife or maybe they were at a church that got broken up by a church split or they see people being immature. And I want you to know this, and I think this is important. The church is a hospital for the hurting. The church isn't for perfect people. The church is for broken people. And guess what? We all qualify because we're all broken. And so we come here in our brokenness. We come here in our own sin. We come here in all of our unhealth, and God begins to work things out in us. And you know what? Sometimes we're going to frustrate each other, and sometimes we're going to disappoint each other, and sometimes we're going to disagree with one another. But guess what? You don't have to agree with us to be with us. You may come in here sometimes. You may hear something. You may say, you know what, man, I'm not sure I agree with that. That's fine. Keep coming. Keep exploring. Keep discovering. Keep asking questions. Keep discovering and finding truth. You don't have to agree with us to be with us. We don't have to agree with one another to be unified with one another. And that's where we're going tonight. We're going to talk about uh, several things over these next couple weeks that we should be branded for. And one of those major things we should be branded for is unity. That we should be unified. Remember, our message as Christians is love, forgiveness, grace, serving, humility, selflessness. If these are the marks of what it should be as a Christian, if any group of people should look unified over another, it should be us. And those who call themselves a part of the church. And Jesus would tell us in Scripture that we are better together. You're better together. We are better together. That doing life on our own is not the best way to do life. That's the reason it was God's idea to create this thing called the church. People say this, well, I'm a Christian, and so I am the church. And so, like, I don't go to a church. I just go to my house, and I, like, read my Bible, and I do my own, like, stuff like that. No, no, no. Listen, listen. God designed the church for a reason, this idea of believers coming together, using the gifts, the spiritual gifts that God has given us to encourage one another, to forgive one another, to share with one another, to be there for one another, to serve one another, to lift each other up, to build each other up in their needs because we all need that in our lives. This is meant to be a family because together we're better. This message is all throughout the Bible. <clears throat> in fact, there are just some things that are better together. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know when the last time you went into the restaurant and you said, you know what, <sighs> I'm hungry. I just want to order, just give me a big bowl of gravy. No. But how many of you guys would be like, bro, I wish I had me some biscuits and gravy right now. Like, biscuits and gravy just go good together. And You know what I'm saying? How about this? How about this? How about this? How about this? I'm going to tell you what goes good together. What's better together? Late nights and Waffle House. Preach on, preacher. My man is preaching. Hey, listen, here's the deal. I, I don't know about you, but I love Waffle House at any time. But there is something about Waffle House after midnight that just tastes better than any other time during the day. Can I get an amen? I mean... Or for me, not for some of you non-coffee lovers, for me, mornings and coffee, they're just better together. You know what I'm saying? Amen. <laughs> there are things <laughs> that are just better together, like Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? They're just better. Too soon. 
Go ahead, grab your Bibles. You'll have one under your seat. If you, if you don't have one, you can turn to page 1084. We're going to look in John chapter 17. <coughs> and as you're opening up your Bibles, let me set up just a little bit about what we are about to read. What we are about to read is actually a passage of Scripture that is giving us a prayer that Jesus prayed. Now, this prayer is significant. This is the last prayer that Jesus prayed before he was arrested and taken to be crucified. This is the night before his death. What I want you to see in this prayer is I want you to see the thing that was on the heart and mind of Jesus within 24 hours of his death, what he was praying over his disciples and listen, over you. That in this prayer, Jesus is literally praying over me and over you. And you're going to see it right here in this passage in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. Let's read it. It says this. My prayer is not for them alone. In other words, this is what he's saying. He's praying and he says, God, this prayer isn't just for the disciples. It's not just for the 12. It's not for them alone. That's who he's been talking about in this passage. It's not for them alone. Look what it says. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you. That's every person in this room who calls himself a believer and a Christian. Because the truth is, is that the disciples begin to share this message and it began to spread out and it spread out all throughout history. And this message that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and rose again on the third day, defeating sin and death so that we can have eternal life. We can get heaven as, as a part of a relationship with God restored back to him. This beautiful message of the Bible freely given by his grace, this message that we have, he is telling us that I am praying that every person that believes in me throughout the generations will get this. Notice what he says. I pray also for those who believe in me in their message. Listen to this. That all of them may be one. That Jesus's prayer hours before he's to be crucified is that he prays that the people of God would be unified together. What a powerful thing. And I want you to listen how he keeps praying. Father, just as you and just as you are in me and I am in you. He's like, listen, just as God the Son and God the Father are united together in this beautiful relationship in the Trinity of God, this relationship that exists between them, he says, as we are together as one, that's my desire for my people of God to be one just like that. Then he goes on, he says this, may they also be in us so that the world may be believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. They that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. I want you to see all this one language. So that they may be brought into complete unity. Now here it is right here. Why? Why does it matter that we as the church are completely unified? Why does it matter that Jesus would pray that we would all be one? Here it is right here. This he tells us. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as I have loved, even as you have loved me. He says, listen, here's the reason. I want you to be unified because when you are unified, the world will know that you sent me and that you love me and that you love them. 
that in order for the world to know that God loves them, the church has to present themselves as a unified front, not in a fake way, pretending to be one, but actually in practice being one, that unity is at the center of the heart of God. God desires us to be one with one another. He desires for us to care for one another, to bear one another's burdens, to love one another, to be shaped, to be more like himself uh, by being together with one another, that we are literally better together. In fact, this is a common message all throughout Scripture, that in the Bible there are 59, just in the New Testament, 59 one another statements in the Bible. 59 one another statements. The idea behind that is that 59 times, talking about the church, the Bible mentions us doing stuff for and to one another as a part of this idea of unity. I'll just give you four of them. In fact, I put them in your notes there at the bottom of your notes that you had on your chair. (coughs) Forgive one another. Colossians 3.13. Oh, how this world would be a different place if we could just forgive one another. Every person in this room needs forgiveness because every person in this room has hurt and will hurt people in the future. And every person in this room must extend forgiveness because this is how unity is brought about. One of the things that divides more than anything else, that that divides friendships and relationships more than anything else is unforgiveness. Someone hurts someone, and because that person hurt them, they're no longer friends. If this person forgives the person who hurts them, they can still be friends. They can still have a relationship. Things can still be great. But because they hold unforgiveness and bitterness, the friendship can never work. Forgiveness is a big part of this. Or serve one another. Galatians chapter 13. That God has called us to serve one another. To care about the needs of each other. This is why we do the shoe drive like we did tonight. To serve people that are less fortunate. To serve people that don't have access to the things that we take for granted. Encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.18. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but you know that there are people that are in this room tonight. And we're talking about people that are at church. There are people in this room tonight that in the last two to three months of their life have not had a single person say one kind word to them. When they go home, it's turmoil. When they go to school, it's turmoil. No one encourages them. No one said, hey, you know what? Your hair looks really nice today. You know what? That was really so nice of you to extend that to me. No one has encouraged them, said something positive to them, given them that. And listen, this is what the body of Christ should be. That I would even say this, that when you come here to H12 on a ministry night, like on Tuesday night, you should be thinking in your head, wait a minute, um, how can I encourage other people? I'm going to make it a point that I'm going to talk to at least five people tonight, and I'm just going to encourage them. Let them know that they're loved. Let them know that they're cared about. That's what the church is. That's what the body of Christ is. Listen, listen, I want you to hear me for a minute. We have a brand. We have a culture here at H12. But if you think that our brand is come here, have some fun, listen to some great music, hear some okay teaching, hang out together, and go home, you've missed it. That doesn't wake me up in the middle of the night. That doesn't get me up out of bed in the morning. That doesn't fire me up. That doesn't get me excited about the next day. That doesn't get me excited about what God's doing. We could do this every single week, prepare a message, do what we need to do, execute it, move on with life. And listen, that would be it 
and I would die inside. Because there's more to it than that. That Tuesday night is meant to ignite something in you that lasts for the next 24-7 over the next the next week of your life until you get to the next Tuesday. And it's meant to inspire you to get in God's word so that you can begin growing spiritually and have a daily time with God. It's meant to be a place to show you that every place that you're at in your life is sacred, whether you're on the ball field, whether you're at home, whether you're hanging out with your friends, whether you're at the party, every part of your life is sacred because as a follower of Christ, God gives you these sacred, God-given moments to make a difference for him. Like, this is what gets me up out of bed in the morning. This is what excites me. It excites me to see people sign their name on a, on, a, on a door saying that they they've given their life to Christ and remembering that experience for me and knowing how that's changed the whole trajectory of my life. It'll change how I parent my kids. It'll change how I'm a husband to my wife. It'll change how I lead people in this world. I want my life to make a difference and I hope that you want your life to make a difference too, that you want that to be your brand. But at the end of the day, this right here gets me out of bed, but it doesn't just end here. It's seeing people who wrote their names up here taking the next step and getting baptized and growing in their walk with God and starting to invite their friends and seeing their friends come to know Christ. That's what excites me. It excites me standing on the stage last week and seeing all these people come up and thinking to myself, man, there's so many people coming on the stage. I don't even know if this song's going to be long enough to cover all these people. What are we going to do in the quiet time afterwards? It excites me to sit on the stage and see some of you bawling your eyes out at your seat because your friend just got up that you invited to come forward to give their life to Christ. That fires me up. It's not just teaching and playing some music. It's more than that. This is significant. It makes a difference. This is rallying the troops. It's us unifying together. It's us becoming a family with one another so that we leave this place as an army Locking arms with one another, knowing that we don't have to live life by ourselves, knowing that we're not doing this alone, knowing that there's other people who believe like me, other people that love like me, other people that serve like me, knowing that when I go into my school or when I go into home, I may get beat down by all the circumstances in my life, but I got an army of people that are going to lift me up whenever I need them, anytime I need them. It's why we do life groups. So we can be unified, so we can come together. In fact, tonight is a perfect night to sign up for life groups because life groups start this Sunday. Life groups is an environment that we have here at H12 and at 12 Stone Church for students who want to go deeper in their walk with God. This is not for people who want to go and clown around. This is for people who want to go deeper in their walk with God. And you can sign up for this group, and we have amazing leaders that lead these groups. And you'll take this teaching tonight, and you'll take it deeper, and you'll rip it apart, and you'll go to town on it. It'll be about an hour and a half, and, and you'll keep each other accountable. Listen, this is, people are going to help you have a time with God and how to read the Bible and how to pray and how to, have to cultivate these spiritual disciplines in your life. Such a significant thing. If you're here and you're like, man, I'm serious about going deeper in my walk with God, then you need to make sure that you sign up for a life group tonight. Because we're better together. You cannot live this faith on your own. You have to have that accountability. You have to have people in your life that can support you. I say this verse in here probably as much as I say any other verse in here because it's such a significant verse. And I believe it so, so much to be true. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two are better than one. If one man falls down, he has someone there to help him up. But most pitied is the man who falls down and has no one there to help him up. Most pitied is the man who falls down and has no one there to help him up. We have to have people that can support us and build us up in our life because the truth is every person in this room, including myself, I'm going to have those times where we've been knocked down or where we fall down. We have to have people that are there to help us up. 
One of the best ways that we stand with one another in unity is to look for places where we can find common ground. I want to take a moment, I want to spend a few minutes here because I think that this is a significant part of the conversation when it comes to unity. See, I think what happens is, is that some people focus on what divides us more than what unites us. Let me say that again. We live in a world that focuses more on what divides us than what unites us. As I mentioned to you guys earlier that what you think about Jesus is the most important thing about you. Let me, let me explain what that means. That means that who you want to be president of the United States in November is not the most important thing about you. See, we're in a political season right now, and it feels like more like our country's divided than it is unified. Talking about branding, if I got up here and I said, I'm voting for Hillary Clinton, that's going to spark some things in what you think about me. And if I get up here and I say, I'm voting for Donald Trump, that's going to spark things in you for what you think about me. But here's the deal. I want you to hear this about me. I don't want anything in my life to take away from the primary person, purpose of why I'm on this planet. And that is to show people Jesus. So you'll never know who I'm voting for, for that reason. It's why I don't post anything political on my social media. Here's why. I post something political on my social media and 50% of this room disagrees with it and they discredit what I'm saying about Jesus because they don't agree with what I'm saying politically. That my, my thoughts on Jesus are more important than my thoughts on politics. Therefore, I don't want my politics to get in the way of what I believe about Jesus. People in this room have all kinds of opinions about black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter. In fact, if I split us up in this room, there'd be people in every one of those corners. And let me tell you something. Most of you are uninformed. Most of you are uninformed. In fact, I'll tell you this. Just to be blunt with you, every white person in this room is uninformed. Don't pretend you aren't. There are conversations you will never have to have with your kids that a black man has to have with his kids. Bottom line, I will never have to say to my son, when you get pulled over in a car, you need to act like you've got some sense and do this 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 and do this. You don't have to like it, but that's reality. You don't understand. Don't pretend like you do. You say, well, Derek, are you informed? No, I'm not, but I want to be. I want to understand. So you're not going to know my opinions on any of that stuff. But let me tell you what I do. I sit down with my black friends. I sit down with my black pastor friends. Like one of the top pastors on urban ministry in the country is one of my friends. His name's Jeff Wallace. He's down here at Peace Church down on the other side of Atlanta. And him and I have conversations about it. And I say, man, tell me what it's like being a black man. Tell me what it's like in your congregation. Tell me what you hear when you hear black lives matter and then someone posts on their social media, all lives matter. And what does it mean when you hear blue lives matter? What does it mean when you hear this? And what does it mean when you hear this and then I sit down with police officers and I say hey what do you deal with and what do you think when you think of this and then I and then I, I put all these pieces together and am I informed still uninformed because I still don't understand the struggle still don't I'm not picking sides you want me to tell you what I'm going to pick sides on I'm going to pick sides on Jesus and let me tell you what Jesus would say 
racism is disgusting and sinful. Hatred is disgusting and sinful. Period. Period. Murder is disgusting and sinful. Violence is disgusting and sinful. We can go down the list and understand what we agree on. We can all agree on that. God talks about that. I am Jesus first. So I want to challenge you with these thoughts because I want you to know we live in a place, in a nation, we live in a world that is dividing itself over these issues. And let me tell you something. Because the heart of God is unity, that means that the heart of Satan is disunity. And you can see the work of Satan in every area of disunity that we see around our nation and around our world. So every time you post something on social media, Blowing out all of your opinions about stuff. And here's the truth. People see the comments, but they don't get the conversation. So because they see the comments and they don't get the conversation, they don't know how you got to that conclusion and they don't hear the heart. All they know is they disagree with you. So now you're at school and you're trying to share Jesus with them. You're trying to invite them to church and they don't want anything to do with you. They don't want anything to do with your church, anything to do with your Jesus because they're still tripped up on what you think about who the president of the United States should be. And it's ridiculous. Can we have that conversation? Sorry. I want you to listen to the approach. I want you to listen to the approach that the Apostle Paul has. He says this in 1 Corinthians 9.22. He says, I try to be all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. The goal is Jesus. The goal is salvation. The goal is getting the hope of the world to the people in this world that don't have hope. He says, I become all things to all people. <clears throat> I don't come in with my political agendas. I don't come in with all these agendas. That's not what I lead with. I lead with Jesus and I try to find common ground so that I can give them Christ. He's not being fake. He's just trying to understand. Sometimes we have this idea, this mentality of, yeah, yeah, man, you know, I just, I'm just me. I'm just being myself. This is just who I am. Well, bro, maybe you need to change. Maybe who you are is not who Christ would want you to be. Let me tell you something. I don't like who I am in my sin nature and my sinfulness. I want God to change me to be more like himself. That if you're like, I'm just being me, this is just who I am, that means that you don't want to grow. That means that you don't want to learn. That means that you're unteachable. That means you're stuck in your ways. And that means that you're in trouble. I'm not where I want to be. And I will never be where I want to be until I'm in heaven with God. Because every day I'm trying to grow to be more like him. I'm trying to seek his face. I'm trying to work on those areas and those things in my life. We have to grow. We have to change. We have to be more unified. Paul talks a lot about the power of unity in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He says this, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, it says followers were united with Christ, he comes to us, if any comfort of his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Nothing would make me more happy. Make my joy complete in being like-minded, having the same love, 
being in one spirit and of one mind. Notice the oneness. The same thing that Jesus prayed is what Paul prayed. Maybe the greatest Christian that ever lived. He was an apostle, wrote about half of the, the New Testament. This guy was an unbelievable follower of Jesus, was facing persecution all over the place because of his faith in Jesus. And he says, listen, the thing that I want you to hear as I'm planting churches all over the world is I want you to be one with one another. People come here and they don't feel connected in their life. As I mentioned, they, they, they've never had, they don't have people encourage them. They don't have people say this stuff to them. And let me tell you, this is why we do things like we're gonna do tonight called connection groups. Right after the service here in a little bit, we're gonna send you out to connection groups. We're changing up how we're doing connection groups this year. We're actually doing it by grade, grade and by gender. And so like ninth grade girls will be together, 10th grade girls, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We got places for you to go. And I want you to tell, I want to tell you what connection groups are. Connection groups are a place where we can connect with one another. It's so that no person in this ministry feels alone. If you say, you know what, man, I don't really get a lot of deep stuff out of connection groups. Well, relationships are what you're getting out of connection groups. You say, man, I don't really have any commonalities and with hobbies of the people that are in my connection group. Yeah, but the most important thing about you is Jesus. And if the most important thing about them is Jesus, then you have the greatest commonality you could ever possibly have with one another. Bottom line. Learn something from someone else. Grow together. Connection groups are a great way for you're new to, to meet somebody else, to meet other people. They say that what keeps people at church is that they must have five friendships within the church within three months or they will never come back. People are coming for relationships. You guys want to get to know each other. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's some cool people up in this place. You know what I'm saying? And I bet you don't know everybody. And you're missing out on relationships with cool people in here. Get to know people. That's why we do connection groups. Is we're going to do that here in a little bit and send you off to your group so you can, you can check that out. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this thing up. I'm gonna land, let me land the plane. The first thing we need to do is fix what's broken here. We can't fix what's broken out there until we fix what's broken here. I don't know what people say about age 12. I have things that I want them to say about age 12. But I wonder if the things that I want people to say about us are actually the things that they're saying about us. And if they're not saying the things about us that we want them to be saying about us, then what do we need to change so that they will be saying those things about us? See, Christianity in the first century, in the beginning of its movement, it meant something to the people who called themselves followers of Christ. In fact, what we know in the first century is that the persecution was so great, to call yourself Christian could easily be a death sentence for you, at minimum being thrown into prison. <clears throat> what identified people as Christians is the cross, that they would have a cross at at their meeting place, and that would identify the church, like you'll see at churches today where they have a cross on their church or their building, or, or, or maybe they would <clears throat> make a makeshift cross out of some wood or something, and they, they would wear the cross and would identify them as Christians. But because the persecution got so crazy and so many people were getting killed and arrested for believing in Jesus, they decided to switch it up. And so they, they went with a different symbol. It was the symbol of a fish. Maybe you guys have seen the, the Jesus fish on people's cars or some people have it tattooed on them and you see that whole fish and you'll see that around church. Well, this is where this came from. See, because people didn't identify the fish with Christians, so only Christians knew that this was a Christian thing. And so they would, versus putting a cross on a building, they would put a fish. And so Christians would know that when they came to that place, it was a place where they were safe. It was a place where they were welcome. It was a place where they, they could be at home. It was a place where they could let their hair down. It was a place they knew they didn't have to worry about persecution. There's even stories of where 
uh, people would be walking on the streets, uh, you know, headed to, you know, to different parts of the country because they did everything by foot. And, and they would pass a stranger. They would get in a conversation with a stranger. And they would go down. And on the ground, they would write with their finger half of a fish. And if the stranger knelt down and wrote the other half of a fish, they knew that it, this person would be safe for them to share their faith with and to have a conversation about faith and about the thing that was most important to them. But if the person was like, what the heck are you doing? They'd be like, oh, I'm just writing in the dirt. And they would just kind of bluff it off. And that would be the end of it. The point is this, is that Christian, to a Christian, those things, what people, who they were, that message, that it meant something to them. It should mean something to us. It's the most powerful message in the world that we carry as followers of Christ. And I want to challenge you with that. In fact, I, I hope that when you come here, what you think about this place is that it's a place to safe. It's a place that's welcoming. It's a place where you can let your hair down. It's a place where you can be encouraged. It's a place where you can be inspired. That no matter what the world's doing to beat you up during the week, when you come into this place, you know that you're going to walk out of here challenged and ready to take another day. 